So Obadiah, the entire prophecy of Obadiah. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you would have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will, not, will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over the disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negeb shall possess Mount Esau, and those of Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Shepharad shall possess the cities of the Negeb. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So by way of introduction to this short uh, prophecy, it's quite different than some that we've seen before. 
because the author uh, announces his name and just says the vision uh, of Obadiah. His name means one who serves Yahweh. Uh, there's another Obadiah who's mentioned in connection with Ahab, uh, but that's probably uh, not uh, this one. Uh, his vision is a prophetic revelation from God, and we've been talking about visions a lot lately, but notice it's not of things like locust or fire or a basket of summer fruit or God standing besides the altar uh, like Amos saw. Uh, this is a vision, you might say, of words uh, because he says it's a vision and then the next thing he says is, thus says Yahweh Adonai. And so what he sees comes out in words. There's no interaction mentioned with God it's just the words come next. Uh, his date is most likely after Jerusalem's fall. Verse 11 is the clue to that. Uh, uh, some writers put it uh, in the 800s BC, uh, but uh, it talks about the fall of Jerusalem in verse 11. On that day you stood aloof, on that day that strangers carried off his wealth. It's talking about uh, uh, Judah. The theme is a judgment against Edom. Only Obadiah and Nahum specifically speak of one nation. We'll talk about Jeremiah has things to say against Edom. Amos said things against Edom. In Amos 1.11, you remember, for three sins and for four, uh, this is what we'll do. And uh, that repetition that God will take down the strongholds of all those nations. So Edom is included in uh, other judgments. And uh, Nahum uh, mentions Nineveh. The parallels in Jeremiah 49 verses uh, 7 through 22. Uh, uh, really, there's uh, three different ones. Uh, he says, flee and turn back, dwell in the depths, O inhabitants, for I will bring calamity on Esau. And then he uses the same language as uh, Obadiah. If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? If thieves came by night, would they not destroy? Uh, but he says, I've, I've stripped them. Uh, in uh, verse 12 of Jeremiah 49, he talks about uh, those who uh, deserve to drink the wrath of God. And there's a passage in Obadiah that's the same. And then Jeremiah 49, uh, 14 and 15 reflect what's said in uh, Obadiah verses uh, 1 and 2. Uh, about, I have heard a message from the Lord, from Yahweh, and an, envy, an envoy, a messenger, has been sent among the nations. Gather yourselves together and come against her for, for battle. So there's uh, several themes in Jeremiah's prophecy against Edom that are exactly the same. Uh, his message includes also a reference to the day of the Lord. So this will be the, the third prophecy that we've uh, seen. Uh, uh, Amos had one. Uh, Joel, you remember, had five, the most intense uh, uh, book for that. But the day of the Lord, notice, is upon all the nations. He's speaking to Edom, but it says the day of the Lord is upon all the nations. Uh, God has control over them all, even though Edom is his target for this uh, judgment. Uh, God's prophet speaks in the now. We learn that it's God's history and it's God's plan. And it's Yahweh's greatest plan 
uh, worked out in smaller plans. We talked about that last week. Uh, a judgment of Edom as God's uh, people's enemy is only a small uh, illustration of what God is going to do globally, and we'll see that later. Uh, characteristics of the prophecy, you might say, or I wrote down, uh, Yahweh at work. Six times the Lord is called Yahweh. In, in verse 1, he's called Yahweh Adonai. All the rest, it's Yahweh. Uh, verse 1 says Yahweh. Verse 4, the report comes from Yahweh. Or, or verse 1, also the report from Yahweh. Verse 4 declares Yahweh. Verse 8 declares Yahweh. Uh, verse 15, the day of Yahweh. And uh, verse 18, for Yahweh has spoken. So it's focused on uh, Yahweh, the only name that's used in the prophecy. And then God's sovereign control is also demonstrated. He tells them when it will happen, and he tells them uh, what will happen. Uh, his uh, judgments on them are connected to Israel's judgments, to Jerusalem's judgments, because he says in the day that they were judged, you sat back and didn't do anything. So, so two things are happening. Israel, Jerusalem is being captured and taken over by the Babylonians, and Edom, because of their aloofness to that and gladness that Israel was being judged, there's two things uh, side by side, and, and we'll see that. Uh, we will see also that everything is uh, in God's time frame. Uh, there's a compressed section from verse 8 to 15, uh, on that day, in the day, on that day, so God knows the day, right? The, uh, the historic now, the prophet speaks, and he says, on that day or this day, he points to the specific day. Yahweh is sovereign over the execution of his plan. Today is always looked at with reference to the future. This, uh, this, is, uh, this is our prophetic thing. What about my difficulties today? What about my struggles with temptation? What about my struggles with, with looking in this cursed world? Well, it's always looked at in the light of the future. And what is, what is our future? We have to understand. Our, our, our future is to be with Christ. Our future is that all the temptations and the curse and everything will be, will be taken away. Every enemy, every tear, everything. That's how we have to look at it. So we, we need to always remember... It, it, it's Yahweh's future. Uh, the purpose, uh, just like uh, other prophets, is to, is to declare judgment and to show restoration and salvation. A and that's a, a, a common theme. Uh, the outline I've, I've come up with is, is my outline. Uh, verses 1 to 4, Yahweh tracks Edom down. Uh, verses 5 through 9, the execution of judgment. It says in verse 9, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off uh, by slaughter. Verses 10 through 14, they're judged for their abuse of Israel. Verses 15 through 18, the day of Yahweh and Israel's return. And then verses 19 through 21, kingdom restoration and salvation. So first of all, Yahweh tracks down Edom. And uh, it's right there. He actually tells other nations... It says, we've heard a report from the Lord. The Lord sent out a report. And what is it? Come and destroy Edom. A messenger is be sent to the nations. Rise up. Let us rise up against her for battle. The same as uh, 
Amos chapter 1. So there's the report, there's the messenger, and the command. And notice, notice that uh, Ephraim can't hide. I'll make you small among the nations. You'll be utterly despised, the prize of your heart. You who live in clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? The Israelites said that. Who, who, what's God going to do? When is God going to act? We haven't seen anything yet. And then he says, though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down. We just saw that in uh, uh, Amos 9, verses 2 and 4. Remember, it said, if, if you go to the heavens, I'll find you. If you go into the sea, I'll have a serpent bite you. No matter where you go, uh, I will find you. So that is the, that is the Ephraim can't hide uh, from God. And then this uh, picturesque uh, execution of judgment, the second part of the uh, outline, the execution of judgment in verses 5 through 9, uh, Jeremiah 49, 9 and 10, uh, we read that. Thieves are going to come in. Uh, people are going to break in. And, and, uh, and uh, God says, well, if they broke in, would they just take a little? If somebody broke into your house and took stuff, would they just take a little? No, they're going to take as much as, as possible. Uh, there's, the, there's the aspect of deception there in verse 17. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. You're, you're literally driven to your borders. You're, you're trying to get out of your country as fast as possible. Uh, we, we deal with that with our border crisis. And there are people maybe who are in tremendous need. They have nothing in their own country. They're literally driven to those borders. In their mind, there's some kind of hope. I have to get out of here. And God paints that picture. You'll be driven to your borders because you're, you're going to be uh, destroyed. Uh, notice the complete destruction. He'll destroy the wise. He drives out understanding. Mighty men will be dismayed. And we saw this in, in Amos 2 also, uh, where Amos said, the, the warrior is going to be weak and these people are not going to have strength and everything is going to fail them. Uh, and the mighty men is going to be dismayed. And the result will be that everybody will be cut off. Uh, verse, verse 9, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. All their wealth will be gone. All their wisdom will be gone. All their power uh, will be gone. And then the third in the outline, they're judged for their abuse of Israel, verses 10 through 14. The reason is because of the violence done to your brother Jacob. So God is saying, you came out of the same womb so long ago, Jacob and Esau, and now you move to Edom, but he's there. He's your brother. He's your brother by blood in a sense. But there's two results. Because of the violence done to your brother, shame will cover you and you will be cut off forever. Ezekiel 35 and verse 9 says, I will make you a perpetual desolation and your cities shall not be inhabited. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. Uh, the Babylonians took over Jerusalem, but not long after that, uh, Edom was conquered. 
Uh, and then again, by the Maccabees, about 160, 170 years before uh, Christ, if you, if you look at a map of the 12 tribes when they settled, Edom is in the south. If you look at a map, the same map at the time of Christ, there's no Edom left. There's nothing called Edom. It's called Edomia or something else. It's gone. L literally, it's wiped off the face of the map. And these are the prophecies that say that's what's going to happen. What was their sin? Their sin is gazing on or gloating at somebody else's misfortune. Oh, good. People are killing people in Israel. Oh, good. Jerusalem is being taken over. That was their attitude. You stood aloof. You were like them. You were like the conquerors in a sense. It carried off their wealth. It entered the gates. They cast lots for Jerusalem. It's uh, uh, what a picture. It means the enemy is right there. The enemy is inside the city and you stood aloof. You didn't do anything and you, you were happy. And one in five through seven, really Edom is going to be like that. And part of this, part of this is eight do nots. And I'm, I'm using the English standard version. There's eight do nots that they were probably guilty of, but this is where it parallels with what happened to uh, Jerusalem and to Israel. The first thing is that God says, do not gloat over the day of your brother or gaze upon. Uh, it means to look without doing anything. It means to just stand aloof and not do anything. This, the second thing is, do not rejoice over the people of Judah. These are the things that happened to Jerusalem and to the people of Judah, but these are the reasons why Edom is being judged. Do not boast. Uh, the, the Hebrew means literally don't enlarge your mouth. Don't, don't start speaking big words. We're glad. Our, uh, it's about time somebody did something to Jerusalem, you see. Uh, the the uh, next one, do not enter the gate of my people. The, they, could, they could go there and plunder themselves. They would be tempted to say, well, let's, let's go see what's left. Let's go see what we can get for ourselves. Uh, the next one, uh, do not gloat or, or, uh, or look on or gaze at uh, his disaster. Uh, do not loot his wealth, the, the sixth one. Do not stand at the crosswords to cut off crossroads to cut off his fugitives. So we just saw that. Ephraim was, was, was driven to their borders. What would an Israelite do? What would a Jerusalemite do when the nation came? Well, I, I got out of the siege. I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to go as, as far away as I can. And here I come to the crossroads. And who's there? Some Edomites. Oh, they're, they're, a, they're a nation that helps us out. Here, come on, come with us. And you stand at the crossroads and wait and make them slaves. Or look at the next one. Don't, don't, do not hand over his survivors. Yeah, we got a place for you. But you could enslave them and hand over the survivors to the army and say, yeah, look, we're, we're going to help you get rid of these uh, Israelites. Uh, their enemy 
uh, was getting destroyed, uh, but God warns them not to take advantage. And so you see the parallels in the day, on that day, in the day. This is what God did to Jerusalem. But he says, Edom, you're guilty for doing these things at the same time. Well, we're, we're moving right along to verses 15 through 18. Uh, the day of Yahweh and some of our studies previously uh, uh, really showed us uh, what this is. It's been a part of uh, our study in the Minor Prophets. The, the day of Yahweh is his sovereignly appointed day, no matter when it is in time, no matter how it's executed, it's his day. It's fulfilled in their time in the righteous punishment of nations and Israel and Judah. In the New Testament, as we learned, uh, the day of Yahweh is the return of Christ. And uh, we uh, studied Joel and we saw there's only one more day of the Lord that's coming. They've all run out except one. And that's what we, that's what we should understand. It should, always, it should always remind us the prophet speaks now. But everything is in the light of the future. The light of the future uh, looks back. Uh, notice the scope. This is interesting. The day of the Lord is near uh, upon all nations. All nations are going to uh, come uh, to a reckoning with the Lord. Well, you were just talking about Edom, but now he says, no, the day of the Lord uh, is for all nations. Here is the example also of retributive justice. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your head. What you've sown, that's what you will reap. And there's retributive justice spoken of in many places. Jesus actually is, is one who instructs us on it. Uh, the most but God says your evil is going to come back on you and no one else you have sown and now you'll reap Jesus says if you don't forgive you won't be forgiven he says if you judge you'll be judged with the judgment that you assessed to somebody else so be careful that you be not judged, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, and Matthew 7, 1. And how are we supposed to act towards others? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. But if you don't, if you treat others against what you would want to be treated, then you'll be treated that way. You will, you will reap that, uh, and uh, that's what the Lord speaks about. Retributive justice. And then we come to the picture of drunkenness. God's judgment falls on Edom. The, um, the message in uh, Jeremiah said, For thus says Yahweh, If those who did not deserve to drink the cup must drink, you will, will you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished, but you must drink. For I have sworn by myself, uh, declares the Lord. It, it's really a more common picture uh, than I thought when I began the study. Jeremiah 25, 27, and 28 
uh, Isaiah 51, 17. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the, the cup of his wrath. Uh, Ezekiel 23 uh, and following. And we'll just, we'll just touch on this. Thirty-one to thirty-five. You have gone the way of your sister, therefore I will give her cup into your hand, thus says the Lord God. You shall drink your sister's cup that is deep and large. You shall be laughed at and held in derision, for it contains much. You shall be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, a cup of horror and desolation. The cup of your sister Samaria, you shall drink it and drain it out and gnaw its shards and tear your breast. So it's a common picture. Uh, we go to the global picture in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10. Anyone who worships the beast or has the image or the mark, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. What a picture. Drink the wine of his wrath, poured into the cup of anger. But it's a common picture uh, of judgment. And uh, that's what God says. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as they had never been. You're, you're, you thought that you could go there and have a party in a sense and drink and celebrate that Jerusalem was taken over, but you're going to drink to the, to the fullest uh, yourself. But then verse 17 turns around. The oppressor becomes uh, the oppressed. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy. Here's, the, here's that remnant coming out. And, and when you understand it, he doesn't have to say much about it, does he? He doesn't have to say much about God's people and the remnant. There's always going to be somebody. That's all that Obadiah is saying in, in a verse. There's always going to be somebody. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. And here is the, here is the, uh, this, uh, this uh, lopsided uh, contest, this lopsided uh, destruction. Notice what the house of Jacob becomes. The house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame. Remember, we've seen the house of Jacob, house of Joseph before. It's, it's, all, the, it's all of Israel. It's all the Jerusalem. It's the nation. And, and what will they become? A flame and a fire. And the house of Israel, I mean the house of Esau, will become stubble. It's not, it's not a fair. In this corner, stubble. In this corner, fire. It's all over from the beginning. Stubble has no chance. And that's what, that's what God's saying. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau. And then God underscores it, for Yahweh has spoken. And, and, and they got wiped off the map. That's what happened. Israel came back. They were in the land. The Romans took over. The Maccabees uh, dis destroyed Edom, and, and, and there's, there's nothing left. Uh, maybe individual people. But God still has his people 
in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. There will be people that are brought back. There will be people that remain. What an encouragement for uh, discouraged Elijah. Uh, he just fought this tremendous spiritual battle and, and won and was victorious. And, but he, he plunges into a, a spiritual depression. I'm the only one left. I wish, Lord, that you would just take my life. This, this battle is wearing me out. And God says, no, you're wrong. You don't see the whole picture because I have kept people. I have preserved people. That can be our prayer. God, preserve me. Keep me. That's how we're going to be. That's how we're going to be kept and preserved anyway. I'm going to keep myself and preserve myself. No, no, no. Apart from him, you can't do anything. Apart from Christ, you can't do it. We constantly have to cast ourselves upon the Lord and say, Lord, help me see the big picture. Help me to see the remnant. Help me to see the 7,000. We were, we were driving here today and comparing Jeroboam to the, to the present thing. And, and the administration just can say things. They can say anything that they want. It was in reference to a recent uh, speech that the president gave where he was talking about gas prices coming down and they were over $5 when I took office. Well, that's a flat out mistake or a lie or whatever. But there was some smattering of applause. Really, really it was more like $2. But see, people believe it because that's the guy they supported. That's the guy they want. That's the guy they want talking. But Jeroboam did the same thing. Let me tell you, people, you see Bethel and Dan, you see those altars, those are the gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. But people believed it. And we should be sorrowful. And we can see it, can't we? That only a small portion is going to be saved because the majority of people are going that way. The majority of people have believed lies. The majority of people are involved in false worship. And you could tell them that their life has no hope. They have no hope, no belief in God. They just think that I'm a Leo, you're a Sagittarius, uh, you know, whatever. But don't, don't tell me about sin. Don't tell me about I can be saved by some kind of thing. And the, and the lies just perpetuate. Here's your gods. Here's your God of science. Here's your God of technology. Here's your God of money. And, and God told Edom, I'm going to take away everything. Money, power, wisdom. I'm going to take it all away. So Jacob and Joseph turn out to be the, the oppressor and burn and consume so there's no survivor. And once again, Yahweh has spoken. And once again, we can look at the map and there's no Edom left. So then finally, kingdom restoration and salvation. It's a continue, continued thought concerning the elimination of Edom and the prosperity of God's people. First, people will be dispossessed uh, from the lands. And there's, there's a, a whole... Uh, map thing that God is doing and he's saying Gilead's going to have here and Benjamin's going to be there and this is going to be here and that's going to be here and that's going to be there and he's putting it in their minds you're not going to be there but but Israel is going to come back and they're going to possess these places 
And you can see, he says, uh, uh, those uh, of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau. People who are not there now are going to be there in your house, in your land. Uh, those of Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines, Ephraim, Samaria. God's talking about, I'm going to move all these people around, but, but you're not going to be there. The exiles are the host of the people. Verse 20, they'll possess the land of Canaan. They, they did come back, physically uh, come back. They possess their land until that time. And then saviors come. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion and rule Mount Esau. Now, God has always used uh, saviors. Uh, let's say saviors with a small S. Uh, in the judges, people cried out and God would raise up a judge and they would get temporary relief, but the judge would be a savior. Uh, Gideon saved them from idolatry. Remember, he burned up, he burned up the idol. Then they said, well, we got to find who burned our idol. Who did it? But he temporarily saved them. Uh, kings, there were kings that ruled well and temporarily saved them from judgment. There were prophets that came and temporarily saved them. If, if we studied, we would see that Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Malachi, were, they were kind of saviors, weren't they? Ezra and Nehemiah came and they, they, they helped to build, but they, they, they also told the people how to live, and that's a, the troubling thing, isn't it? They had to rebuke the people, both Ezra and Nehemiah, for the same sins that they did before the exile as when they got back. Zechariah and Malachi. Malachi says, if I'm a father, where's my honor? And you need to get right. He always used, God always used men. Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah's prayer, uh, 9.27, Nehemiah 9.27. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors. God always had people there. Uh, Barnes says, and so while the word saviors includes those who before and afterward were the instruments of God in saving his church and his people, yet all saviors shadowed forth and back Look to the one Savior. The New Testament and anticipates this in just the plain ministry of uh, pastors and teachers. Paul tells Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? The right message has to come from here and go to there so that you're saved and you're preserved. James 5.20 If any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a, a multitude of sins. And that's what we're here for. And that's what pastors and teachers are here for. And that's, and that's what that's what's uh, uh, alluded to here. Saviors are going to come. People who are going to help other people to be saved. The new covenant helps it, right? Because it says you'll no longer have to say, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. Each one will know. 
but sometimes there's a wanderer. Rev Romans 11:14. Paul says, I preached so that I could make my fellows jealous in order to save some of them. I went to the Gentiles and I was bold so that even some Jews would say, well, well, I want that salvation that he's talking about. In the church, faithful pastors and faithful brothers and sisters are, are used uh, to help others. Uh, Jude says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Uh, talking about false teaching, we're familiar with uh, uh, Ephesians uh, 4, uh, the gifts that Christ gave uh, pastors and teachers to do what? To build up, to keep them from stumbling, to make children into men, and then we all grow up to, together. Uh, verse 21b, the kingdom will be Yahweh's. That's, the, that's uh, Obadiah's message. And Barnes says, it, it's an exclamation. He says, majestic, comprehensive simplicity of prophecy. And I think you should remember that because that's what this is. Majestic, comprehensive simplicity of prophecy. He's talked about all these things that we've seen before, but it's majestic and it's simple and it's comprehensive. Uh, he says, all time and eternity, the struggles of time and the rest of eternity are summed up in these three words uh, about God's kingdom. There's three Hebrew words. That's what he means. Daniel chapter 2. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. It's just a dream that a king has. And God says a kingdom is coming that will never be destroyed. Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Of uh, 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forever. And I love this part. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will perform it. How can I know that Christ is going to rule on David's throne? Because God will be zealous. Picture it. Yahweh, zealous to have it happen. Amen. The spiritual kingdom of Jesus. What's going to happen? Revelation 11, verse 15. The second trumpet. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Right? It's, it's in Handel's Messiah. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the, the great end of it, isn't it? And he shall reign forever and ever. That's what Revelation is all about. All the nations are gone, not just Edom, all of them. The globe is gone. There's not one enemy left. Verse 19, or chapter 19 and verse 6 of Revelation. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, or the Omnipotent, reigns. And when does he reign? He reigned all the time. But, but Revelation 19 is after every enemy is gone. And the 24 elders, it, it really, it says everybody. The 24 elders get up and start saying stuff. And everybody else gets up and starts saying stuff. And that's what they say Hallelujah, for the Lord our God omnipotent reigns. And that's the prophecy of Obadiah. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful for this short but powerful book. We're thankful that we were reminded before we studied that every word in this 21-verse prophecy 
has been inspired by the living God and is profitable for our reproof and our instruction and our correction. Help us, Lord, where we fail. Help us to get a hold of the fact that the kingdom of all the nations will become yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.